Ego, ego, ego. Check. Ego. Alright. Check. Check. <laughs> check it up, check it up. Man, Grayson Allen takes down the Caruso, Chef Curry is in a slump, and the Mavs are a defensive juggernaut? I'm Rosa Panda, this is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me again. JJ, how you living, my friend? Aaron Rodgers and Kyrie, what do they have in common? Honestly, yeah. horrific. Man, what a cliffhanger. John, how you living, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing better than the Buffalo Bills. Sorry, Bills Mafia. <laughs> and Sammy, how you living, my friend? I'm doing as well as my man Patrick Mahomes. Also, sorry, Bills Mafia. What a weekend by the NFL, but the NBA had a pretty good week 14 simultaneously. So we're going to hit it off with some quick hits, and here we go. All right, once again, got to sing the praises of maybe the most underrated player in the league, Nikola Jokic. Ten triple doubles this last week, but Jokic stood pretty much on his own. 49-14-10 against my Clippers, including a game-winning assist to Aaron Gordon in overtime to lead to a 130-128 victory. Third center since 1970 to record a 45-point triple-double. The other two are Alvin Adams and a guy you all might have heard of named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So props to Jokic for another amazing performance. And week 14 had two 50-point games. I believe the other was Jason Tatum, but I'm going to talk about Joel Embiid versus Orlando because he shot 50. He got 50 points on 74% from the field and 12 rebounds in only 27 minutes. What? 27 minutes? Come on. He's clearly an MVP candidate, averaging 29 points, 50% from the field, 39 from three, 10 rebounds, four assists one block or one steal and 1.4 blocks what a what a game what a player and Steph Curry over the weekend hit his first game winning buzzer beater against the Houston Rockets surprise surprise I didn't know that I thought he had actually won in the books but Curry hit his eighth game winning shot but this was the first time that came with zero seconds remaining on the clock Curry shot six for a 21 on a night where he finished on 22 points and 12 assists. So that shot came when it mattered most. Yeah, absolutely. And guess what, boys? The Athletic reports that the 76ers prefer to wait in order to pursue Harden or another superstar in the offseason and want to save Simmons for that potential sign and trade rather than take what's available on the current market. So Ben Simmons, of course, hitting the news once again. Now we're going to jump into our main topics here. Grayson Allen, injured. Alex Caruso, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm going to describe it to you right now. Basically, Caruso goes up for an open layup or an open duck. Allen goes to contest it. He blocks it, sort of. He hits his hand with his left hand and then sort of swings with his right hand, kind of thrusting Alex Caruso into the ground in which Caruso ends up fracturing his wrist and now he's going to be out six to eight weeks. What do you guys think of this news and what do you guys think of that play by Grayson Allen? Look, I know we're supposed to be as impartial as possible on this podcast, but I, my boy Caruso, you can't be doing that to my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> and I've watched the play a few times and it's dirty to me. Not just because Grayson Allen is known as a dirty player, but because of the action that he took after swiping at the ball. So the first part of it was a basketball move. He was trying to block the shot. 
but then he grabs his other he uses his other hand to swipe again and forcefully pull down on Caruso's hand or arm which effectively slammed him to the ground really Hell hard no. and I, I think that's right. super dirty and Grayson Allen got suspended one game honestly I thought it should have been more because now it's Grayson Allen who I think is not the player that Caruso is and I think a lot of people would agree with me he gets one game which is kind of not a big deal but Caruso Caruso is a, a vital part to the Bulls and he's out six to eight weeks and they are a top three seed in the East so that is going to affect them I think a lot more than people think so we'll see what happens Caruso get better you're my guy baby, baby. I hated that the Lakers didn't re-sign you but just get healthy man yeah, man, I agree. It was a dirty play. And I think it does matter who Grayson Allen was and is. And we know that he has this reputation for a reason, that he goes after players. And the contact was completely excessive after the fact. He clearly wasn't just playing the ball. And now Caruso's out six to eight weeks. And just this is kind of unrelated on the solely on the play itself. But Ball's also going to be out for potentially up to a month and a half. Their defense is about to take a hard hit. And now in their last 10, they're already three and seven. And the Bulls have, I believe, fallen to the three seed as it is. So I thought one game was ridiculous, and it should have been at least three or four. And but it looks like the NBA disagreed. I'm I was pretty surprised when I saw the discipline on this one. I just I thought it was way too minor for what it was. Yeah, you definitely have to look into a player's history, their reputation. And Grayson Allen went to Duke, number one. They've had history, okay? He's been ejected Shots fired. multiple times, okay? And then if you see his highlight films of tripping, which is a punk move, you don't do that. You don't trip. Are you kidding me? You don't trip on the court. So yeah, it was a punk move. And let's be real, the Bucks, yeah, I'm calling you out, Bucks organization, you as an organization have to be more professional. They never came out with an apology. They came out with a statement that said, we disagree with the suspension. We support Grayson and look forward to him joining our team for Friday's game versus New York. Excuse Week me. Move. And then the morning after the game, they actually tweeted out a picture of Grayson Allen eating Saw donuts. It. Saw that too. Right? Sam, we're both nodding because we're about to bring that up too. Send it to the internet! To add insult to injury, super, super weak move, you blocked the Chicago Bulls Twitter account to respond. Bruh. How? Ooh, what? I didn't know about that one. Is that? Yeah, that is super duper weak. I think they really should have looked into Grayson Allen's history, like you guys said, a little bit more because one game is not enough. It's not enough. You know who also got one game? Nikola Jokic. Oh, yeah. A guy that doesn't have dirty history. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And I would yeah. say those fouls are probably about even yeah. as, as far as intention to hurt. I mean, you don't, that's not a natural basketball move, like John was saying. You're literally making a move to bring someone who's airborne straight down to the ground sideways like yep. that's what that move yep. is 
you don't block a shot like that. You know, right? Yeah, and you know how you can tell it's clearly in the wrong? You got Laker fans, Clipper fans, and Warrior fans all on the same side of the argument. <laughs> <laughs> I think that speaks That's for itself. absolutely right. So let's, let's make this right. Let's say that we are now the NBA. Sammy, you said three to four games would have been appropriate. What do you guys think? What type of suspension? I don't think it... Well, personally... I don't think it matters because Grayson Allen really isn't that good of a player, so it's not going to affect the Bucks. Any, it's not going to really affect Fair. the Bucks anyway. So we got a bleeder. But if I had my, if I had to, if I had to choose, I would say 10, 10 to twelve games. Wow. Okay. I'll go with five games, but I'll note that I can't wait when they play next. But you know where it matters. I know Grayson yeah. Allen's not that good, but you know where the suspension matters: game checks. He should be getting. He should be losing more than twenty-seven thousand dollars for this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, I completely agree. But I'm gonna take us on to our next topic here. Stephen Curry is going through a January slump, boys. What? And you know, Steve Kerr had some words about this. He said shots just aren't going. He's human. I think what's happening right now is he's reminding everybody that he is actually human. He seems inhuman for so long, so I think everybody expects him to be in this groove all season long. And that's just not the way it works. I'm really proud of how hard he's playing, how well he's playing in every other aspect of the game. The shooting will come back. We know that. What do you guys think of Steve's Kirk, uh, Steve Kerr's comments here? I'm just it's gonna... true that... Go ahead, John. Sorry. I was just going to quickly say on behalf of Sammy the Clipper fan and myself the Laker fan that if our best player was shooting this poorly and our record was 8-4 and four, we'd be very happy right <laughs> go ahead true well I was just gonna say like for a slump where I think he needed to be more specific it's a shooting slump not a performance slump in total if you look at Curry's defensive rating he is sixth best in the league. Not just amongst point guards, but in the league. He's better than D-Buck in defensive rating, Miles Turner, Tatum, Michael Bridges, who was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate earlier, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown. When you talk about Curry, we talk about the gravity that he brings together. Everyone is pulled to him therefore opening shots up for everybody else. We hear about the explosion of Jordan Poole. Warriors are first with assist to turnover ratio, first in defense, which I think a huge part is Chef Curry. I think what's also not being discussed enough about this is, is he in a slump shooting wise? Sure, I, I mean, the percentages are what they are, 36% and 30 for the month. But two huge things happened simultaneously that are going to affect that. Clay came back, like we all know. I was going to adjust everything. They've played together for, we all know how long, but he's still been off the court for two years in regards to Clay. That's one adjustment. Right when Clay comes back, what's the other thing that happens? Draymond, the main playmaker on that team, is out and has not played since. You have a whole role shift going on all at the same time. Pool goes to the bench in that scenario as well. All these parts moved along, and what is that going to do? It's going to put all the pressure on Steph, and it's going to cause even more attention to be paid on him than normal. So, 
If he's in a slump and he's still averaging 21, seven and five and they're eight and four, and he's at 36%, like this is one scenario where he gets a little slack. It's not like he's costing them games in any way. And they're trying to adjust and do all these things on the fly with two of their main three players, either coming back to the lineup or out of the lineup. I mean, I just, I think he's made the impossible look so normal now that anytime he looks human, like that quote says, it's like a big deal to everybody. And I think that speaks more to his greatness than anything else. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I actually was reading Reddit earlier, which is a very dangerous place for anyone that loves NBA or any sport or anything, really, because you go through some dark places. And I wanna say that some of the most ridiculous conspiracy theories are out there. And I just want you guys to tell me if this is, if they're reaching here, or if you guys think there's some validity to what's going on. Apparently, I think there's some outside stuff going on with Steph Curry's parents. And I hear that things might be accelerating there. Do you think distraction might be part of Steph Curry's slump? Yes or no? We could just say this quickly. Who is my daddy and what does no. he do? No. No. I don't think so either. Yes. Another one is that... <laughs> always the contrarian, John. Absolutely, 100%. Reddit is always right. That is correct. I'm kidding. How about this one? How about this one? Steph Curry is now too muscular, and now he's experiencing fatigue faster. What? Is this a no. reach? No. No. Yes, that's a reach. That's a reach. Yes. I Can I say ridiculous instead of yes or no? How's that? Ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. John, you yeah, can respond. Yeah, that's a reach. It's a reach, right? It's not a tumor. I think I speak for everyone when I say that we're not worried about Steph Curry. We're not. We're not worried. We know it's not coming. There's definitely reasons why these things are happening. But I will say that Steph Curry on the court, their offensive rating is still over 110. So there's gravity, like JJ was saying, with him just being on the court. They're still producing offensively. When he's off the court, this is the problem. They are like below 95 on offensive rating when Steph Curry is off the court. So what that tells me is that his supporting cast isn't helping him get his shots, right? Because they're not making anything. They're not playmaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think bottom I line, like this, this is... team needs 10 games at the end of the year where they have their full rotation, where they can get things figured out, and they'll be completely fine. Right. And I feel like this is a... This is an obvious answer but that that concerns you guys right going in, if this were to remain status quo going into the playoffs that's obviously a big concern but i don't i don't think it'll be that way once playoff time comes Ooh, that's a great question though what's the panic level i'm gonna ask yeah. jj first what's the panic level uh, on a scale of one to ten i'm gonna say six or seven because i haven't seen it before mm. but it's not okay. like threat level midnight Ooh, it's not Lakers. It's not Lakers level panic. <laughs> it's not Lakers level. Panic. Okay, because we're at a 22 nuclear nuclear meltdown. <laughs> World War Three. Reddit is gonna explode. There's a uh, Lakers spaces going on on Twitter that people are. I don't know if you guys have heard, but you know the, those little spaces that they have on Twitter where they all get together and they chat, mm. and their fans yes. are flipping out. On it's actually pretty comical. You guys should check it out sometime. Hold up. 
Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit or $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, now that you mentioned that, there was a, a Twitter spaces. I'm going to do this dub or dud here. So dub or dud, there was a fan that was talking to Russell Westbrook's brother. And he was genuinely concerned about the level that Russell Westbrook was missing his shots. And said, hey, do you think that he may need a pair of glasses? It's not a Because I remember when I was... When I needed surgery, when I needed glasses, it made a huge difference in the way that he's missing. Do you guys think this person's question is a dub or dub? And are we talking about magnifying <laughs> glasses here? Or what exactly are we speaking to? I, I don't know if I should answer this question seriously or not. Because I don't know if it's a serious question. I mean, the question I, is a dub uh, because it's pretty funny. But I yes. think it's a dub. Yeah. It's a dub. It's a dub. It's definitely a joke, though, because... It has to be a joke, right? Anybody that knows Westbrook's history knows that glasses are not going to be the difference between him making or missing his shots. He's been doing this for more than a decade. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to move us on to our next topic here. StatMuse. They came out with a stat here that said the Dallas Mavericks have held their opponents to below 50% shooting in 23 straight games. They've won 11 of their last 13. They are currently ranked fourth in defensive rating. Do you guys think that the Dallas Mavericks have found their new identity? Yeah, I mean, Jason Kidd was known for his defense with the Bucks, And he was very... And even Giannis praised Jason Kidd before Jason Kidd was let go. That they were a defensive team. I'm not surprised. I think they finally bought into the system. Um, I do want Porzingis to play better, to be a better compliment. I would like to see Luca not complain to the refs as much. And when they get those two problems out of the way, I think they could be a real, real big threat. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Oh, go ahead, John. No, you go. Okay. Uh, well, I was just going to say, just looking at the the numbers definitely back it up. I was just looking at what they've given up here going back about 15 games. And 96, 86, 89, 82, 99, 85, 92, 98. I mean, these are impressive numbers. And you look at the teams they've that are on this list, Denver, the Warriors, the Bulls, the Grizzlies twice. They gave up 85 and 91 of the Grizzlies. I mean... That's very impressive, and I think a big part of it is Jason Kidd. And I know, as a new coach, he needed time for them to buy in. We know that Porzingis' knees have been shot for a while, so them getting him to maximize his defensive efficiency has been a big part of it. It seems like they're 
they're popping out a lot more on pick and roll and forcing a lot more contested jumpers, which has been a big part of it. And it looks like just some of these unheralded guys, Finney Smith, Kleber, players like that are are actually really doing it on that side of the ball and just letting Luca and that side just kind of do what they do. And maybe this is their identity, but I do want to see it for longer than 12 or 13 games. But if they can go this route, it, they create a threat that I didn't think they were going to be a defensive squad at all. So I'm, I'm curious to see if this is the identity they establish, what does that mean for them at the trade deadline as well? Do they become massive buyers or what do they do going forward? Yeah, I agree. I'm actually surprised that they were able to improve their defense in the last two weeks to such a high level, to top five, number four, like you said. And so it's always amazing to me that teams or organizations don't focus on the defense. And I know that personnel sometimes doesn't fit or the coach isn't defensively minded. Mike D'Antoni, I'm calling you out. So... You know, I think that, and it's always been proven that defense wins championships. I mean, the Lakers were the number one ranked defensive team two years ago. They won the championship. The Warriors are the number one ranked defensive team, and they are obviously contenders, and they probably one of the favorites. So it kudos to Jason Kidd and the organization to finally putting that in practice, because as we know, defense is effort, mostly. It's about movement, it's about effort, it's about good uh, fundamentals. You don't have to be a LeBron James type athlete. It helps, but you don't have to be that much of a freak athletically to play defense. So good for them, and let's see if they can keep it up, like Sammy said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Last year, the Mavericks were 21st in defensive rating, and they shot that all the way up to fourth, which is incredible. And you guys are absolutely right. It has to be Jason Kidd, right? Like it's not like it's not like Porzingis woke up and was like, I'm gonna start playing defense now, or Luca woke up and it's like I'm gonna start playing defense now. Because they have a lot of the just the same pieces from last year. I don't think they got yeah. any big acquisitions. No, right? for sure. So it's gotta be coaching. Yeah, this isn't a personnel thing, this is a coaching thing. That's the only difference. The personnel is almost like you said, identical. Yeah, and it's completely surprising. The scary part though, is that they've sort of unlocked this part of them that I don't think anyone thought they had. But now, that offensive part, it's still waking up. Yeah. Like, there's definitely an offensive beast somewhere in there. And, of course, everything starts with Luka Doncic and how he performs and stuff like that. But I think they're going to be a scary team in the playoffs. What do you guys think this team's ceiling is going to be this year? Mm, great question. Very good question. Second round. Second round. I would probably agree with that. I mean, if we look at where they're at now, I believe they're the five seed. So Yeah, they would be facing the Jazz. I think they could beat the Jazz. But yes. if they beat the Jazz, then they're running into Phoenix or Golden State most likely. I can't see it. I, I can't see them. Second round exit. I, I think it's a second round exit right now. I think the last step for them, they need one more piece clearly. And the question is, what are the assets to get it? And then Luca needs to come in next year, or just in general. He needs to come in when you're in shape from the start of the year. <laughs> I'm just being real, dude. By, by the guy's yeah. own admission, he came in at right. 260 this well, year. Well, well, well. How like, the turntables. Right. He comes in in shape, shows he's taking it seriously. I think it adds the buy-in. And they need one more piece to compete at that top tier. I, I, so I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think this is a second-round team just mm. because I don't think they can beat Phoenix right now. Or the Warriors, for that matter. Yeah, is there 
I'm trying to look at the standings right now. I'm figuring out if there's a way that they can avoid the Suns or the Warriors until the Western Conference Finals. Mm-mm. Yeah, if that's the case, then no, I, don't, I agree with you guys that they, they can't beat either of those teams as currently constructed. If there was a way to avoid them, then I could see them maybe making the Western Conference Finals. I will but say if no. the standings play out this way, I think a Grizzlies Mavs first round series would be very yeah. interesting. That would be that would be really, fun. really cool. Yeah. yeah Luka versus Jaw. That, that would be a lot of fun. But I'm gonna I'm in complete agreement with you guys. It's definitely it's most likely a second round exit. But I guess time will only tell. That's actually all we have for t- for tonight's episode. I'd like to thank you guys for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, my friend. Thank you, listeners. We appreciate you. John, thank you for being on. Thank you. Hopefully hopefully we get some good playoff battles this weekend. Aw, oh, yeah. Sammy, thank you. Thank you. I'm just, just going to put a little plug in here if you don't mind. Uh, so we're, Go for it. We're doing pretty well diagnosing the lines. We're still at 3-0, and so not too many picks. But the uh, wild card round went through us, Hope. And I think uh, for the conference championship, we're going to put out another video or two with some recommendations. So check that out if you have some time on Twitter or on Facebook. Oh man, I can't wait to win some more Mario coins with diagnosing the lines with Sammy. And remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>